0: Thirteen Hebrews, Chapter Thirteen. The Apostle Paul, or whoever the author of Hebrews is, and I think it very well may be the Apostle Paul. says in verse 7 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know why that is? Well, the big theological term is He's immutable. Okay? When I hear the word immutable, I think of the mute button on my controller. Immutable means You can't close his mouth. You can't cut him off. But that's not what the word immutable means. The word immutable means he cannot change. And the reason he cannot change is because he is always present. It's not he was present and he will be present. It's he is present. He is present a thousand years ago. He's present 7,000 years ago. He's present 10,000 years in the future. He is always present. That's his omni presence. The word omni means all. In uh, Atlanta, you go to the omni if you want to see a sporting event. Why? Because they have all the sporting events in this building they call the omni. They don't play the baseball games there, but I'm sure they. Builders of the Omni are really disappointed if they don't play baseball there, because he'd be more income. But he is omnipresent. The other reason he is immutable cannot change is because you cannot improve on perfection. If he changes, is he better or did he change for the worse? If he gets better that means he's not he was not as good as he could have been and if he's worse that means he's not God anymore he is unchanging and his love for us is unchanging Woo! praise the Lord for that so that when we pray for our wayward children we know that God's love for them has never changed He loves them the same now as He did when they were born. He loves them the same now as when He hung on the cross and shed His precious blood for them. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we arrive at tomorrow, He's already there. But when we get there, He's going to be the same Jesus. The same Savior. The same Creator. The same God. That's incredible. Because of that, the writer of Hebrews goes on and says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Like what? Oh, my goodness. Don't get me started. What do you mean? Oh. Okay, you got me started. Baptismal regeneration. Okay? You get baptized so you can be saved. Some people baptize their babies so their babies are saved. Okay? That is a strange and diverse doctrine. It's diverse from anything the Scripture teaches. And it's strange. Because baptism is the act of commitment for believers who are saying, I am going to follow Jesus. And then if that's not enough, there's a family. The grandfather especially, that's the one I know about. His 16-year-old granddaughter, nope. No, I don't think she's 16. I think she's 20. Was coming back from Kansas City a couple of weeks ago. There was a, a, a two semis that wrecked on I-70, somewhere about Boonville, and traffic backed up for miles. She tops a hill doing 70 miles an hour and plows into the back of a semi-tractor trailer that stopped directly in front of her, and she died instantly. Her grandfather is very, very distressed because she did not have time to receive the last rites which would ensure her getting into heaven. That is a strange doctrine. There are no sacraments to get you into heaven. Not the sacrament of marriage. Not the Sacrament of healing, not the sacrament of communion, not the sacrament of the Mass, not the sacrament of baptism. There's one more, seven sacraments, I don't remember. The Eucharist, okay? None of those can get you into heaven. Those are strange and diverse doctrines. But let's get a little closer to home. There are some Baptist churches that no longer preach and teach the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. If he wasn't virgin born, he wasn't perfect. If he wasn't perfect, he can't pay for our sins. say, really, Casey, really? Yes, really. They don't believe in the verbal inspiration of Scripture. They don't think that every word in here is true given to us by God. They don't know that the word of God is established forever in heaven. Forever has been since before the creation of the world. And God's not going to change it up there. What are we what what business do we have trying to change it down here? But, Casey, are you talking about denying the Word of God or are you talking about new translations? Yes. it's exactly what I'm talking about. Both. Because the new translations are based on corrupted manuscripts and they leave out passages and they leave out verses and they change words. One of the more popular ones says that Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, a young maiden shall bear a child. She'll call his name Emmanuel. A young maiden is not the same as a virgin. Okay? In fact, the older I get, the more young maidens I know that are not virgins. They have allowed the world to deceive them. They've allowed the peer pressure of which there is no such thing. say, what do you mean? Well, a peer is a legal equal. Someone who is your legal equal cannot put pressure on you. Okay? It's just there. It comes from within. A desire to be liked. A desire to be popular. A desire to be accepted. That's not peer pressure. could go over and over and over, on and on and on, sharing passages and scriptures with you, if I had them in front of me, I've got them written down, I could show you the changes in the NIV, even in the New King James, This is close to the King James as anything I've found, New American Standard. Somebody said, oh, Brother Casey, have you read the Word? That's a translation. It's written so that the common man can understand it. It's written on a third grade level. It is very nearly blasphemous. Okay? And when they asked the question, I don't know why the Holy Spirit let me do this, but my re- response was, no, I'm waiting on the movie. I'm waiting to see the movie. (laughs) You say, Brother Casey, what are you talking about? Oh, if it's any good at all, they'll make a movie of it, won't they? (laughs) No, I've got the Word of God. Why would I want to read anything else? Now, if I want to share the Word of God with my grandchildren, then there are some really good Bible story books out there that are biblically accurate. They're just written on a child's level. And sometimes I just sit down and tell them the stories. We are not to follow after. We are not to be carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For those of you who are old enough to remember Jim Jones and that catastrophe, how did he convince those people, 400 and some people, is how many it was, over 400 people, to drink poison Kool-Aid? And to force their children to drink poison Kool-Aid. That's strange doctrine. Okay? You obey your pastor implicitly without question. Where do you find that in Scripture? I can show you the verse that they took it from. Verse 17 of this same chapter. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Huh. You say, so why is that not the same thing? Because Jim Jones wasn't ruling over them. Satan was. Possessed him. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Your heart should be established with what? What's grace? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. God's riches at Christ's expense, whatever you get that you do not deserve, all of that is grace. The scripture says it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meat or foods which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Say What What in the world is he talking about? Well, he's talking about eating meats offered to idols. The very finest of the meats were offered to idols. And then the priest would take them next door and sell them in the marketplace. If you wanted a good cut of beef or a, a good leg of lamb, you went to the temple. Jupiter's temple, Zeus's temple whoever, you went to their, to their meat market and you bought the meat there. And Paul said, I know that, in Corinthians, he said, I know that, that meat offered to an idol, uh, it doesn't bother you because and I, the idol's nothing. It's a rock or a, or a, or a lump of wood or, or gold or something that's been molded. He said, that's nothing, so I can eat the meat. But if somebody sees me eating that meat, it could cause them to stumble. And if that's the case, I'll eat no meat as long as I live to keep somebody else from stumbling. He says here, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meat, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. It's of no profit. If your heart's not established with grace, the meat offered to idols isn't going to save you, not going to help you, not even going to make you feel better. It's the grace that's important. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. He's referring to the Old Testament tabernacle when they would bring the animals in. And when they were offering the blood for the sacrifice on Yom Kippur, they would kill the animal, drain his blood, and then they'd take that dead body out and burn it outside the camp. And he uses that in verses 10 and 11 to illustrate how Christ is the sacrifice for sin. He says in verse 11, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp, outside the camp, wherefore Jesus also... That he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Suffered outside or without the gate. So when Jesus was crucified, where did they take him? Outside the gate. They brought him through the temple. Going to Pilate's hall for his trial. Just about sun up. When they have this sheep, this this lamb tied up by the altar, and when the sun hits the top of Mount Hermon, and the priest standing on the top on the corner of the t- of the temple, the tower of the temple can see the sun hit the snow on the top of Mount Hermon. He declares the new day starting, and then they cut the throat of the lamb. And the sacrifice begins. They led Jesus through just prior to that. He goes into Pilate's hall. He's put on trial. He's acquitted. There's no reason to kill him. And Pilate says, take him and do with him what you will. And they took him outside the gate, shed his blood, and crucified him there. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him. Outside the camp. Without the camp. Bearing his reproach. Why? Because here we have no continuing city. But we seek one to come. Let him therefore. Let us. By him therefore. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How, how long? Continually. Continually. Boy, that's going to prevent a lot of complaining when my body says, no, I'm not getting up this morning. I'm hurting too bad. I'm not putting this foot on the floor. What do I say? Oh, my aching back. No, I say, praise the Lord for a new day. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as as I begin to rejoice in him and tell him good morning, good morning, Father, good morning, Lord Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you all have going on today? I would like to get in on it if I could. Or at least be close enough to watch. Then I can put both feet on the floor. Raise my body out of bed. Okay? Not as easy as it used to be now that I'm allergic to gravity. (laughs) Okay? By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. We're going to pause there. What kind of fruit has your lips borne today? What kind of fruit are your lips going to bear tomorrow? You see, there's some things you can predetermine. Some things you can decide on now, and I've decided that tomorrow I'm going to praise God because y'all showed up tonight. If y'all had, hadn't showed up, I'd be standing here talking to myself. Well, actually, I am talking to myself, but it's nice to have somebody to respond to once in a while, okay? Because if people see you talking to yourself, they think, mm, "He's losing it." See, and that's not true. I, I'm not losing it. In fact, I don't even remember when I couldn't find it. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your precious word. Dear Lord, thank you for the reminder that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can bring the sacrifice of praise. We don't have to bring a a little lamb or a little goat or a little bull. We can bring the sacrifice of praise and you are pleased to accept it. Make us aware tonight and tomorrow that the fruit of our lips is to be the sacrifice of praise. Thank you again for hearing and answering our prayer request. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. God bless you.